Welcome to JoJo's World. Hey guys. I'm Liam S. Smith. And I'm Nick Ballantyne. Today we watched episode two, A Letter from the Past. It just gets more and more bizarre, doesn't it? It never lets up. I mean, we're two episodes in. Yeah, I don't mean to sound smug, but really you ain't seen nothing yet. This is true. Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) Already the music references. Okay, so. So we open on, um, is it too soon to just leap into it? No, it's never too soon. What are you talking about? Okay, we're hyped. We're into this. Come on. It's been uh, seven or eight years since the first episode. Yep. And uh, Jojo and Dio have both grown up. And they're both bros now? Before we find that out, we have like the opening monologue, which talks about how time has passed and Jack the Ripper is stalking the streets of Whitechapel. Oh yeah, that thing that's mentioned but then isn't brought up ever again in that episode. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, cool, Jack the Ripper. It's uh, setting the scene. Like, I I actually appreciate it because part one sort of has a, a sort of gothic horror feel to it mm. um, through the lens of crazy 80s anime and I feel like the context of Jack the Ripper being out and about doing his thing sort of adds to that feel. Yeah, true. It's sort of like everyone knows who Jack the Ripper is. They don't know yeah. who 1880 Possibly is. Possibly yeah. one of the most famous serial killers in the history of... Yeah. I mean, he's alright. But then we get the beautiful football game. Well, first we have the opening scene. The okay, opening, we have, okay. opening titles. Alright, we have the opening titles, yeah. which wasn't in the last episode. No. Any uh, broad impressions of those? I mean, it seems like everything that happened in the first episode was in the opening titles, and everything that's gonna happen is in the opening titles. Yeah, um, <laughs> so there's a lot of visual stuff to unpack in the opening sequence uh, with the song Sono Chino Sarame, which I've read a couple of translations of that phrase. Um, it could either be something like the legacy of your bloodline or uh, the, the fate of your blood or things like that, sort of establishing that How convenient. there is a legacy that's being established here of conflict and strife through the Joe Star bloodline. A lineage, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and there's actually a really good YouTube video on all of the JoJo OPs. That's what they call them. I don't know what it stands for. Opening paragraph? I don't know. Because then the ending one is called an ED, and I don't know what that stands for even more. Ending decimation. That'll do. Alright, sure. There you go. That's yeah. the legit, totally good translation of it. Yeah. It's called What's in an OP, and uh, this one guy, he, like, unpacks the really visually busy thing that's going on. So at times, I found a couple of his uh, points of analysis a little service level, mm. but he's a really good job of just tracking all the, the stuff that's going on. Yeah, so everything that's going into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, for example, in the one we watched today. Uh, it basically recounts everything that happens over the course of part one, yeah. getting more symbolic as it goes further into it to avoid being so overtly spoiling. Yeah. I kind of got that there were some spoilers, but as you get towards the end, you're just like, okay, so there's fire or something maybe? <laughs> so yeah, it's nice that like it gets more and more weird, or would you say bizarre? As the no, I wouldn't say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, one of the things that this video pointed out that I'd never noticed watching it is that the whole thing takes place in the Joestar Manor. Ah. Uh, or a similar building, yeah. at least. Even when there's that one scene, they do the scene of Dio kissing Arena. Mm. But as that's pe- the camera's panning away from that, you can see that the outdoor backdrop that's set against is just a painting on the wall. Ah, interesting. Yeah, it's really clever, I think. Yeah. 
So it's all set in that one manner. Yeah, it's like sort of flying through this one location. Like, as you see, Jonathan and Dio on those opposing staircases. Yeah. Setting them at cross-purposes, as Ooh. the guy says. Even with the lyrics, it's just like, there's some symbolism going on. Yeah, well, the lyrics are a pretty blatant <laughs> metaphor for the events of part one and their yeah. consequences. Follow like, your destiny. Oh, by the way, like, there's a feud. Yeah, two shooting stars falling from the sky and ripples of strife explode from their collision. <laughs> Ripples of strife. Ripples are important. What? Ah, uh, okay, yep. I can't remember if ripples are actually important, but if they are... Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's probably it for the, the OP, as yeah. they call it. The giant metaphor that is the OP. Yeah. Then we open on a rugby game. I mean, look, there are fewer things more manly than rugby. I think in Go 1888. <laughs> it's literally just giant buff dudes tackling one another for a ball made out of a dead animal. Yeah, I've been watching um, like... some Friday Night Lights recently, mm. and I don't really know the rules of American football, but as far as I can tell, there's a quarterback, <laughs> uh, and he has to, like, juke and jive and give the ball to someone. I mean, I actually and know what the rules are. Everyone else is just constantly tackling someone or being tackled. Yep, those are basically the rules, yeah. yeah. And that's basically rugby, right? Uh, okay, so, like... It's rugby, but with armour. So, like, gridiron, you have, like, your quarterback who throws the ball, right? Yeah. And then he throws it to someone. And they just run as far as they can. In rugby, you're not allowed to pass the ball forward. Right, okay. So the idea is that you like basically form diagonal lines. Is it like... And just like move up. Because in gridiron, the quarterback always starts with the ball. Is it like that in rugby? Or does it sort of... Sort of. Determined by other contexts. There's like a dude... All I know is there's a guy who has the ball under his foot at the start and then he rolls it back. Yeah. So that's sort of like the quarterback moment. But I don't think it's like... That one guy is the quarterback. That one guy is the ball roller. Yeah, well, we have an anime podcast. We can't really yeah, speculate no. about sports We're not rules. huge on sports no. here. Friday Night Lights is good, though. <laughs> what if they made an anime about football in mechs? Because I was thinking about how it's rugby and armour. And what if you just got, like, some power armour in there? That could be... Oh, my God. There's a game amazing. coming out soon called 100 Foot Robot Golf, and I'm really looking forward to that. Dude, they should make that right now. It's by the people who made Round- Roundabout. Ooh! A game about the, yeah, the rotating limousine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, that sounds amazing. Just Giorgio's Bizarre Adventure, as I like to call it. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway, so this game of rugby. Yeah. uh, Which I assume is rugby and not, like, gridiron. It's rugby, but is it league or union? And what's the difference between those? (laughs) Look, one of them is amazing, one of them isn't. Or so my father tells me. Do you know which? One of them... That's as far as I know. Okay. And it's not Australian rules football. No, because, yeah, screw that. I like that game. Ugh. It's our national pastime. No. Along with no. drinking VB and yeah, glassing see, people. Yeah, see see how both of those compare. So um, Jojo is jacked and he's running with the ball. He is jacked. Yeah. Uh, like, oh. I think I mentioned last week that like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone were big visual inspirations of the characters design in this. Oh, good. I can see the it. sort of bodybuilder action stars of the 80s. Yeah. Tiny head, but massive body. Ch- tiny head... But massive cheekbones. Yeah. Like everyone, well defined. Everyone has pretty strong cheekbones in this. But whenever I see pictures of Jonathan, like his cheekbones are just like distracting lines that sort of make his face look even better. No, just... no, I don't really like it actually. What? He looks like what? He looks like early computer animation. How like whenever there had to be a slant, it was always like a really jagged oh, line, like a hard shadow yeah. sort of deal. Yeah, but like he's got this amazing like. You could jaw. Great cheese on those cheeks. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like, if you look at it long enough, you're like, I 
I don't know how to feel anymore because you're just absorbed by it. And he's also growing out his hair into a, a sort of impressive mullet. <laughs> yes. Because he was his hair was quite refined in yeah. the Back in the day, he was a bit pompous about it. Yeah. Now, he's just like, you know what? I'll just go with it. I'll make my own style. Except it's not really his style. It's more Dio's style. Or just the style of the 80s. <laughs> As was the style at the time, 100 yeah. years later. <laughs> oh, no. 1888. It was the 80s before the 80s. Yeah. So. Uh, I was going to make an 80s reference there, but I drew a blank. <laughs> Wait. Back you... to the future. Just... <laughs> Wasn't that the 90s? Or was that the 80s? That was the 80s. Oh, God. Don't so step to me about Back to the Future. Oh, no. It's okay. my favourite movie. You're just going to be like, so Nick, what about that Back to the Future reference? I'll be like, ah, that's a good reference. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was Woody Woodpecker around in the 80s? Uh, I'd hope so. Uh-huh. Anyway, so we've so, got this game yeah. of rugby. Like, three guys tackle Jonathan, but he, he keeps going, ain't nothing going to break his stride. He just keeps Ain't nothing going to slow him down. Oh, no. He's got to keep on moving. But then a fourth guy piles onto him. And so then he decides... He's like, oh, I'm t- losing my balance a tiny bit because these four guys are trying to tear me down. These are not, like, four small guys either. These are, like, fully grown adults. These are, like, normal-sized rugby players yeah. as opposed to Jonathan, who is, like, two metres tall and one <laughs> metre wide. It's I just the love height that... height of two men. He's the like... weight of four. Oh. The strength of 16. dun 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 you know? We have the technology. The Big Knights. The Big Knights? The Big Knights. No, I don't know. Okay, that was an ABC children's cartoon. That's about the Big Knights, oh. who were two knights who were strong and tall <laughs> and rude. Really? Yeah. Oh. You had Sir Morris, the finest swordsman in the world. And Sir Boris, not the finest swordsman in the world, but the most enthusiastic. Oh, that sounds familiar, and actually. And their pets, Sir Horace the dog and Sir Doris the hamster. That sounds really familiar. I think Brian Blessed provided one of the voices in that, who you may know as... Boss Nass from Star Wars Episode 1. <laughs> you almost lost it, but you got it in the end. <laughs> or the Hawk guy from Flash Gordon. Whoa! That takes me back. I still haven't seen Flash Gordon, but I knew about Flash no, Gordon. No, but I know there's a scene in that where he uses a watermelon as an American football ball to give him inspiration to beat up some alien thugs <laughs> because he doesn't know how to fight, but he knows how to play football. Oh, Flash. You were true uh, the American hero. He'll save every one of us. <laughs> Flash Gordon, saviour of the universe. So then he passes the ball. Yeah. And someone <laughs> catches it. Who is it? It's Dio. Is it? <gasps> with that rugged hair and that beautiful face. And they sort of... I feel like with the two different ways these guys are excelling in rugby, they're trying to paint Jonathan as this sort of hulking strong guy and Dio as sort of agile and quick. Yeah. But that never really comes up again. Oh. Well, it's sort of like... It makes sense because Jonathan is built at this point like a literal house. Like, the manor, which is strong and sturdy, literally Jonathan. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Dio comes from that little tiny house that, you know, quite small. That little house that couldn't. Yeah, the little house that couldn't. That's him now, right? Yeah. He's literally just like, I may be smaller, but I can get the hell out. Mm -hmm. So he does. So Dio gets a try, and they win the rugby match. And it's the last match of both their university careers. As the one guy who I guess is technically a commentator, but is just by the sidelines shouting. Well, did he have a microphone? No, he was was holding his hand up in front of his mouth. (laughs) See, I remember like... Microphones weren't a thing, but he could have had like a megaphone or something at least. He had like this weird pen thing or something that I was like, is that a microphone? Because electricity wasn't a big deal. Oh, when he's interviewing. Yeah, when he's interviewing him. He's got like this weird little pen, like a brown pen thing. Yeah, I guess it was a pen to write down (laughs) answers. Just like, how are you feeling about this? Let the pen do the talking, buddy. So weird. 
Meanwhile, while he's interviewing him, there's that other weird-looking guy in the foreground. It looks like One Punch Man, but with a bigger chin. Yeah, and also perfectly two-dimensional. Yeah, amazing. And really enthusiastic. No eyelids. Ooh, he's got the Innsmouth right. look. The Innsmouth? Yeah, like a shadow over Innsmouth. Oh, uh, no. I'm just saying there's a distinct chance this guy attending, I want to say it was like Howard Hughes University or something, <laughs> could be a deep one. I can't say that it's not true. So we find out that... Jonathan and Dio are both excelling in their university careers. Dio is graduating first in law, mm-hmm. and Jonathan is finishing his archaeological thesis. A fine thesis. Yes, it was fine. Not a fantastic it's thesis. It's fine. It's just fine. It's a fine thesis. He keeps spending all his time researching this mask that no one else cares about. Yeah. It's just like, the mask has no significance. It's like, don't worry. I'll get to the bottom of it. It's like, we don't care. We've already pretty well mapped out the ancient Aztecs. I don't even know. When they did most of the archaeological work on the Aztec civilization, I think it was like it wouldn't have been 1888. Ah, uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. We're not archaeologists. We don't know. We also both get like brief shots of Dio and Jonathan being like, "I think you're okay, Dio," and then flash and monologue. I always put on a brave face <laughs> and pretend to like Dio, but I'll never forgive him for what he did seven years ago. <laughs> okay, here's the thing about all those like weird monologue things: is that they've always have the same color palette yeah. with them. Like, slightly purple, weird mosaic. But sort of also, like, pulsing from purple to yeah. red to blue. You're just like, my god, your heartbeats are weird. So and they're always like, I'm on so like still frame, because it's a budget-saving measure. Yeah. And it's just like, every single time they're like, yeah, we're friends. Yeah. The reporter is literally like, so Dio, tell us about your friendship with Jonathan. And Dio's <laughs> like, I'm best friends with Jonathan. I hate Jonathan. I'm going to kill his dad and take his fortune. Friendship? <laughs> So beautiful. What is friendship? I just love, like, it's so over the top in that one beautiful moment, but it's always rational. Like, it's always rationalizing what they're feeling. Yeah. Like, it's not emotion if it's just like, friendship. No, don't worry. My character would believe this. <laughs> like, sweet. I'm fully down with this. Yep. No ambiguity Amazing. in anyone's motivations at any time. Amazing. So, we find out that George is a, is a bit poorly these days. Wait, uh,. George Joester. Yes. Yes, the father. Mm-hmm. Who I never remember the name of because I just remember him as the dad of the main guy. <laughs> it probably starts with a J. Except it won't be Jojo anymore because it was the start of the Jojo legacy. Yeah. He had his chance. Yeah. So he's like got a cold but then it's developed into something worse. Yeah. They, they rush home to tell him that they won in the rugby match but someone got there first and told them and then they, they laughed in a protracted and awkward manner. Oh, yeah. The ha 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 a minute. I would have liked to have seen that, like, they both laugh to, like, sort of play off their casual friendship, and they both narrow their eyes and glance at each other and see the others looking and go back to laughing. Yeah. Is that a thing that happens at the end of an episode of The Simpsons? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's when Mr. Burns and Homer go in that, um, oh, yeah, the that's cabin, right. and yeah. then they come down and they're like, <laughs> That's good. Good bit. So good. So, um, Jonathan's like, Father, you should go to the hospital. And Dio's like, don't go to the hospital. The medical industrial complex will bleed you dry before they cure you. <laughs> and Jonathan's in the back going, hang on a fucking minute. Young socialist Hold Dio. Up. Wait a minute. You're not into private industry, but you're not not into private industry. <laughs> <laughs> and then George tells Dio, follow your dreams. Don't let anything stop you. Unless it's a cold, apparently. Yeah, I'll case. always help you. Wait, did he tell him to follow his dreams? George told Dio to follow his dreams. That's right. In that really, like, beautiful way when they're laughing awkwardly. Yeah. It's always awkward when they laugh like that. <laughs> so then, as I mentioned before, we found out that Jonathan is doing his archaeological work on the mask. And 
I don't know why he's doing this after all this time, but his his research seems to involve putting it on a table and then dropping some blood on it. Look, it's so very in-depth work. It's very in-depth work. It's probably not good for the table. <laughs> I love that he's just sitting there going, prick finger, blood on table. Shink! My research is getting somewhere. I'm making progress now after seven years. Yeah. So then he goes to get a book to look at, Thing. you know, some archaeological junk, yeah. and he knocks a box off the bookshelf, and the box contains a letter from Dario Brando. The letter Ooh. that we discussed last time, yeah. and I was like, I don't think they really delve into its context in any contents in any meaningful regard, but they do. Well, I mean, not the specifics, but I suppose they. Because I, I recently, I've been watching the dub recently hmm. because I wanted to give it a go because I thought it'd be good for the podcast, but then I kept watching it because it's delightful. <laughs> I'll get back to that in a second. Okay. Um, but in that, they explain that Dario writes in his letter that he is suffering from like a sickness. Oh, that's and right. And he explains he has the same symptoms as, as as George, George, which is like pain in the chest and swelling of the fingers. And it's like, but that's the same as father. Yes. How dare you, Dio? And then he confront. Well, Jojo confronts Dio yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because Dio uh, is taking pity on the poor old butler and. Not making him climb the stairs. Oh, Dio, you bastard. But swapping out the... Real medicine. For the... Fake Asian medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another thing about the whole Asian medicine thing is, in the dub, Jonathan's like, the university couldn't identify what the medicine was. It was probably some sort of oriental concoction. (laughs) To be fair, 1888. Yeah, but also... If If you say, oh yeah, it was probably some kind of Japanese medicine, they'll be like, wait... Chinese, I think. Oh yeah, if they say like, if some kind of Chinese... In fact, no, if they say Japanese, it'll be like, it was 1888. I don't think that many people would call it Japan No, Japanese. they are, in the, at the time, they would say like, the Orient. Yeah. But I think, as society, we've probably sort of moved past that by <gasps> the, 18, the, the 1980s when this was made. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like if you're gonna like, go back in time... Or even more than that, the 2012, where the anime yeah. was made. yeah. But I mean, if you go back in time, you're probably going to want to be like, oh, well, he was probably a bit of a tool considering it was... Like, it's like taking H.P. Lovecraft's work and then taking out all the, like, racist bits. It's like, you, you know, I think I'm okay do... with that. Yeah, but it's like, you can't just do that because then it's like, oh, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft was never racist. You're just like, well, he was. Yeah, he was. You can <laughs> see right there he was. And here are some letters from some of his compatriots saying, I'm distancing myself from you because you're super racist. Yes, yeah. But it's like, when you go back in time that far, where it's like... 1888, you know, back in the time when, you know, we didn't have much respect for... Anyone. Anyone that wasn't white. You kind of have to remember that and go, well, look, it was a different time. (laughs) And as much as that's a shitty excuse, it was actually a different time. It's true, time has progressed. It has, yeah. And we don't, like, colonise places anymore because we don't... Less overtly, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. (laughs) We're not, you know, giant tools anymore. Yeah. But I think saying the Orient would be, like okay if it was from the standpoint of yeah it was 1888 they said the orient you know <laughs> so um we as dio is climbing the stairs before jonathan confronts him mm. we um get a quick flash of him buying the poison and he's wearing like one of those domino masks yeah and he's speaking to a guy who looks like vegeta uh, <laughs> really seedy now this character in the manga that scene is actually played out in full as opposed to just being a series of flashes oh. and uh this character his name's um 
I'm going to go with Wang Chun. Wang Chun. But in all things, there's like a margin of error from translation. Yeah. I've also heard like Wan Chen and Wang Chen. Yeah. But um, there's Wang a, Chan would be amazing. There's a, an 80s new wave group called Wang Chun. So I'm going to go with that because I yeah. think I'm guessing musical reference. Yeah, that's probably it. Villain music reference. Yeah, you might know them from two of their biggest hits. Everybody have fun tonight and let's go. I didn't. <laughs> Neither do I. I listened to one. They sort of sound a bit like a, a poppier version of Devo. That would make sense, considering it was the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it's Chinese for yellow bell, and is the first note in the Chinese musical scale. Ooh. Well, what? As in, like, the root note? I don't know. Well, I mean... As in, when you say, like, the first note... I don't note. know enough about either our musical scale or the <laughs> Chinese musical okay. scale to answer that. Okay, let me put it this way. In our musical scale, if I say it's in the key of C, the yep. root note is C. Okay, sure. Right? Do you mean, like, the first note of the Chinese musical scale, as in... If I say it's in the key of the first note... Then I don't know, like... I just read this on Wikipedia. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna look that who, up. Later. Who even knows if their musical scale is structured the same way as ours? Oh, is. God, it's probably I don't. not. It's probably not. It's probably got like. You're singing like, like Mixolydian scales or something? Oh, no. Cannibal no. the Musical. <laughs> oh, such a good friggin' thing. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I reckon um, it'll probably have more notes, maybe. Because, you know, they have a lot of outside playing. Or less notes, actually. It's a shame there's literally no way we could figure this out. <laughs> Unless we had the internet, which we're not looking at. So as he reaches the top of the stairs, Jonathan's there. And he's like, Dio, are you poisoning our dad? And Dio's like, oh, I'm offended. As he's taking the medicine up to poison his <laughs> yeah. dad. He's just like, how dare you would think yeah. such a thing? I need to go. Jonathan's like, I'm going to go investigate this. And Dio grabs his wrist and is like... Put it down, Jonathan. Put it down. With a mad pose, might I add. Yeah. His, his, like, okay, his hips are basically out here somewhere. Cocked, I believe, is yeah. the phrase. And he's just, like, nonchalant, but I'm holding yeah. it with such vigour, which like, is amazing. He's like, Jonathan, will you spit on our friendship by not trusting that I'm poisoning, I'm not poisoning your dad? Ah, <laughs> oh, and then, hang on. So then Jojo says, okay, well, why don't you just let me go get it checked? No, no, first he's like, swear on your... Oh, on your father's <laughs> grave. Yep. Yeah. Well, his honour, I think. That's right. Because he already spat on. on his father's yeah, grave. I don't think he true. cares about that. Yeah. So and that, that really stuck in Dio's craw, because Dario doesn't have any honour, apparently. Yeah. yeah. And he has a prideful personality, that Dio. Yeah. We get a um, we get a couple of brief shots of Dario being, like, a, a tool. drunken tool <laughs> yeah. in this bit. And it really struck... I, I said to you, it really struck me how much he looks like a sort of Dr. Seuss monster. Like, his mouth is like... Yeah, it's like... Twice the size of his head, framed by this scraggly beard, yeah. and he has, like, sort of round head shape. It looks like the scream, but with a tongue. And you're just like... Oh my god, that's good. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. Harrowing, even. And I didn't have to live with that. I just saw it for, like, five yeah. seconds. I'd poison that. Yeah, I'd poison that as well. Well, I might. We figured out who's the Jojo here and who's the Dio. Yeah. God. You're under arrest. Um... I know I'm the one who poisoned him. <laughs> we were so close. What have I done? So, um... Because he refuses to swear on his father's honour, Dio punches Jonathan in the face. As you do. <laughs> Jonathan no-sells it and is just like, I was suspicious before, but now that you're currently punching me in the face, I know my suspicions are correct. And then we have the fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, when he tries to... Dio goes in for that same technique he used in the first episode. Yeah. With the little thumb, thumb gouge. Yeah. But then Jonathan's all like, nah, bro. Moves away slightly and then just... Mm. Picks him up and throws him over the banister, or Just throws him through the banister. Boom! Have you ever seen Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet? No. Okay, that's a really, I don't know if you're into Shakespeare, but that's like a really good adaptation of Hamlet. It's really like visually stylish. Mm. But the point is, the climax of that particular adaptation is very Jojo. <laughs> 
Go on. So everyone's... Hamlet spent most of the time wearing, like, black morning clothes because, you know, he's in mourning. Yeah. But for this whole, like, Hamlet ends with, like, a, a fencing tournament. Yep. And for this, he, like, he's wearing, like, he's really buff all of a sudden. <laughs> he's wearing a, a white, like, tank top and, like, brown fencing pants. <laughs> okay. And in the climax where he kills Claudius, mm-hmm. he, let's see, what does he do? He does that thing where you hit the rope and ride the chandelier ro- rope up. Yeah. Lands on a landing underneath it. Throws the chandelier at, no, first he throws his sword at Claudius which hits him like either in the side or in his clothes to pin him to his throne. Yep. Then he throws the chandelier at him. <laughs> Sorry, I can go back. Like he it's, throws it's, the he chandelier. He doesn't throw it, but like it's on. It's falling. Something oh, falling okay. from its supports, and he gives it momentum so that ah, it's right. Okay. So he sort like, of like pushes so it. It lands him. on him. Yeah. And then he runs. He gets down from that platform and runs out to him and grabs the goblet of poison wine that's been there and previously in the scene and runs up to him and starts spooning it into his mouth. Dude, yes. That's anyway, amazing. Um, jo- Jojo throwing Dio over the banister, so yeah. it gave me flashbacks to that. <laughs> Where it's like so supremely stylistic. Yeah. Just like. There's a lot to take in here. So some servant is going to have to repair that banister. Yeah, it's probably going to be the old guy. And he, he has trouble with the stairs. <laughs> I have trouble lifting a hammer. Oh, like no. the grandpa in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Oh no. That's a disturbing scene. <laughs> what, him not being able to lift up a hammer? Yeah, because all his kids are like, kill him, grandpa, kill him. He's like, and he's oh. like, he, the old senile hillbilly mutant can't lift the hammer oh, to cave no. in the person's head. God damn it. Yeah, it's terrifying. That's, uh, just a, that's just a bit lazy, really. It's like, oh no, he's too old to lift a hammer. I mean, I'm pretty sure they still kill him. So Jonathan dresses up like Sherlock Holmes and goes to London. Yeah, actually, you know what? He does dress up like a fabulous Sherlock yeah. Holmes. Yeah. He's all green, but he has like the, the Sherlock cap. stalker cap. Yeah. He goes to the most dangerous street in London, Ogre Street. Ooh, what's he going to find there? A cat eating a puppy. Whoa! Bringing our dead dog count to two out of two episodes. <laughs> Oh, uh, no. And he gets, like, little flashbacks, I think? Flashbacks. No. Does he get flashbacks to the dog? Or is he just like... <gasps> um, I can't... I don't remember any, but... Oh, okay. I'm sure that can't have been pleasant either way. Yeah, I'm sure he saw it went, Oh, my God, a dead dog. Oh, my God, my dead dog! And then, distracted by that, he's he's set upon by three muggers. Oh. Ario Speedwagon, Tattoo, and another guy. <laughs> now, the thing is, this Ario Speedwagon, mm-hmm. of whom you speak, doesn't get introduced yet. No, um, I feel like we might have been watching some subpar subs of this episode. Mm. Uh, we normally watch on Crunchyroll, but we were having some troubles with that today, so we watched stole on, it. Watched on Crunchyroll. <laughs> <laughs> I heard him say the, the word Speedwagon in his speech, mm. but the subtitles omitted any sort of introduction. Which was odd, because I heard it as well. Yeah. I heard Speedwagon. And you didn't even like, know his mm. name. Yeah, no. I also heard Jonathan Joestar, and it wasn't there. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times in sub anime, names will get referenced when they aren't in the subtitle track because of differences in grammar. Yeah. So rather, I, I don't know anything about how J- Japanese is constructed, but rather than saying your, say, meaning you, mm. yours, you might say their name with some sort of suffix. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's sort of like... Again, Jonathan... I'm just speculating here. <laughs> Jonathan Joestar-kun. Sure, that'll work. Sure. All, all I know in Japanese is shimas because if you add it onto anything, it suddenly becomes a verb. Huh. That's not at all how it works, but for me... <laughs> oh, there's a... I think it's... It might have been a Derek comedy sketch, or it might have been some other YouTube sketch comedy account, mm. where um, there was this one person getting really frustrated at these two people who were like, oh, we know Japanese, we're anime fans, <laughs> and the joke is apparently the 
linguistic thing you do in Japanese when you're saying a word from English is you add oo to the end of it. So they so were just, like biru. Yeah. Yeah. So they were just speaking in English but adding oo to all the end of the words. Like, we're speaking Japanese to each other. Oh, God. So Ogre Street. Ogre Street. Oh, apparently, according to the JoJo wiki, well, these chapters in the uh, manga are called uh, The Battle on Ogre Street. And that's apparently a reference to the Queen's song Ogre Battle. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. I, I, I listened to it for the first time before you got here. Is it good? It's The instrumental track is basically like if Queen wrote some sort of kicking rad JRPG battle music. <laughs> it's pretty good. Okay, excellent. And the lyrics are about like ogres that live in a two-way mirror mountain and fight each other or something. Yeah, well, there you go. It seems a bit weird that it's like about ogres fighting each other. Or f- someone fighting an ogre, maybe. Yeah. It's unclear. But it's like, Jojo... Okay, he's obviously not the ogre, but then again, Speedwagon isn't really an ogre. Well, they're charging him, and Jojo's like, Ogre Street is aptly named. <laughs> true, true. So Tattoo runs up and stabs at Jojo with his knife, which Jojo catches. With his fingers. Yeah, and it's like one of those knives that has a hook on it, like, so he could pull it back and cut off all his oh, fingers. Oh, yeah, yeah, But yeah. also, I think you could do that with a regular knife anyway, if someone was holding it by the blade. Uh, well, I mean, you'd have to... It like, would definitely... Faci- the shape yeah. definitely facilitates it. Oh, yeah. The the sharpness of the blade would <laughs> enable cutting. This scene is all about how, like, Jonathan has the courage of his convictions, and because he's here to save his family, he'll, he doesn't care about his own well-being. Which is fantastic. So he's like, if you cut off my fingers, I will use my tree trunk-sized legs to kick you in the groin so hard you die. <laughs> and the guy's like... Pfft. And then the other guy... Rushes Jojo and he backfists him away. And in that same shot, you also see that for some reason the guy with the knife is on the floor in a heap. I mean, I like to think of it as he punched him and then backswiped him at the same time in one sweet motion. Yeah, that could work. So then two of those thugs have been felled in a single blow, leaving only their leader, uh, Speedwagon, who has sort of 80s hair, metal hair, a scar across his face, and an odd job style razor blade bowler hat. This motherfucker. (laughs) He gets it. So I think this is where, like, things have been pretty stylized up to this point. Mm. But I think everything that has occurred is something that could theoretically happen. Very much outside the realms of reality, but at the same time, yeah, okay. Like, it's all realistic action through a sort of heightened lens yeah. or interpretation. Sort of like a camp sort of way of doing things. Yeah, maybe. It's but, like over the top to the point where you're like, God damn it, yeah. dude. But then Speedwagon sort of, like, flexes his... And, all the, the, the felt flies off his hat to reveal the laser the razor blades. And he and starts, he just... like, doing some, like, crazy... Meditative dance thing. Where the hat is, like, flowing... It's upside down, so the razor blade end is not touching his skin. And it's, like, and, like doing it's rolling like a helicopter from, thing. Yeah, like, rolling up one arm across his shoulders and down the other arm. And he's like, watch out, dude, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> it's just like, okay, hang on a minute. Like, up till now, it's been like, I'm gonna stab you in the heart. And now it's like... Hold up. Watch out for my fearsome magic hat. Yeah, for my fearsome anime hat technique. It's just, what the... Uh, that's the bit where I just went, okay, hold on, what? Jonathan assumes a defensive stance, and Speedwagon's like, you think that's gonna help? You don't know nothing, mate. Are we really gonna get back to the dub, by the way, because Speedwagon's dub voice is amazing. Is it just all cockney all the time? Can't, like, le- to the lesser extent than that one guy in the previous oh, episode. Oh, God. But, um... Every, all the voice direction in the dub, the voice director must have been like, now, that was a very good read, guy who voices Speedwagon, but let's try it again, bigger, and like your Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. <laughs> yes! And sort of 
extrapolate that same feel to all of the voice acting. Oh god, yes. <laughs> this makes me so happy. The hat digs into... His bone. Yeah, his yeah. arm and cuts the bone, mate. As Speedwagon rushes in, but Jonathan kicks the knife at him, which throws his aim off like a lethal blow. And then he just sort of goes in... Wait, does he then, then, try and kick him? Then Jonathan rushes him. Yeah. And he kicks him, but he doesn't kick him as hard as he could have, which would be <laughs> Speedwagon's friendship. And Speedwagon's like, what a gentleman. Yeah. He kicked me in the face, but he didn't kick me There's hard like enough to ruin it. slow motion monologue, internal monologue of Speedwagon's as he's flying through the air, landing in like... Slow-mo. Landing in a spotlight, even though this like is... Like Mr. Bean. Pre-widespread electricity. <laughs> <laughs> spotlights back in the day as Jonathan has defeated his three opponents like he turns around and there's like 300 guys there <laughs> there's like street. dudes with torches and pitchforks and scythes and there's one guy leaning out a window swinging a sling really violently <laughs> and it's just you kind of get the impression maybe this isn't the safest place no but then Speedwagon so just apparently it's like the Hunger Games because there are like roaming bands of people who are going to kill you for no real reason. <laughs> it's just a battle royale, but yeah. London. But then, then then they're all going to rush Jonathan, and Speedwagon's like, "Stop! This man is a gentleman because he didn't kill me or my friends." <laughs> I think what was it? he had like I believe the, the quick line... look at tattoo and the other guy. Yeah. yeah, the line in the dub is like, "Oh, he spared me mates too. I knew it." <laughs> Oh my god, yes. Yeah, I wanted to watch it because I felt like there would be some other good lines like that. Or oh, if I was as good as Dio, etc. <laughs> but everything about it was just so ludicrous. I was grinning from ear to ear the yeah. entire time. I guess that's sort of half the point of Jojo's Bizarre Adventures. Yeah. It's all so crazy. Like, it's all so in, bizarre. In a serious show, I wouldn't call this a good dub by any means. But mm. given like the stylistic inclinations of Jojo's, I think it really fits. Oh yeah. Speedwagon is like, I'm Speedwagon. And Jonathan's like, I'm Jonathan Joestar. And Speedwagon's like, I'm going to take you to the, the Oriental mu- <laughs> Medicine <laughs> Cloak. The, or is the subset? And he's like, the Asian Medicine Cloak. Yes. And he's like, you, I don't know, this might have just been in the dub, but he's like, you better watch your back though. That Chinese medicine man's a real shifty customer. <laughs> Of course it is. It's 1888, man. It's 1888. Yeah. That's how it all worked back then, you know? Racism was rife. So Speedwagon was named after the band REO Speedwagon. Whoa! Which I still haven't listened to. No, they're a, um... I've never really heard much of them, but I know they're a 70s rock band that's named after a car. Possibly, The REO Speedwagon, which was a flatbed truck. And the REO in that was got named from the truck's company's founder, uh, Ransom E. Olds. Which sounds like a JoJo name. I'm sorry, is that his real name? Apparently. In real life. He has life. a Wikipedia page. Are you serious? Ransom E. Olds? Yeah. Olds. O-L-D-S. What the? No, that can't be his yeah. real name. Do you want me to look it up? Yes. Okay. Ransom E. Olds. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the only REO Speedwagon song I've heard is the beginning and end of Live Every Moment, because that was the theme song for the first year of The Worst Idea of All Time podcast. The podcast where two New Zealand comedians watch the same bad movie every week for a year. <laughs> what was the movie? Grown Ups 2. Oh no. They've since moved on to Sex and the City 2. Oh no. Ransom E. Olds was a pioneer of the American automotive industry for whom both the Oldsmobile what? and REO brands were named. What the He claimed to have built his first steam car as early as 1894. Seven years after. We're in 1888. This man has... Okay, yep, sure. 
Meanwhile, Dio is also in London, there to kill Jojo. Fucking Dio. So Dio has got the... Yeah, he broke into Jonathan's drawer and stole the stone mask. And it was like, if I put my blood on the mask, the spikes will shoot out and kill Kill Jonathan, making it look like an accident in his research of the mask. Which I didn't think was a very well thought out plan, because it's not like someone's going to go, Oh, this dude put a mask on and the spikes came out. Oh, well, that was his own fault. I mean, if they examined the mask, it would be a feasible conclusion. To everyone else's knowledge, he and Dio are the best of friends. Yeah, but it's still... To me, it was just like, I'm going to take this mask that was in this locked, like, drawer... Gonna go down. That's true, the broken lock would be... Yeah, the broken lock's a bit of a giveaway yeah. for a start. Two, he's gonna go into London, where the mask suddenly has appeared. Well, he brought it with him. Okay, fine. So Jojo may have brought it with him after breaking the lock. Then again, he is... He could always just bring Jojo's body home. True, true. Well, what about the blood? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, the missing blood. Yeah. <laughs> the phantom blood. <laughs> Don't worry, it was all soaked by the mask. Yeah. What would happen if someone put the stone mask on when they had, like, cut themselves shaving? Oh, dude, it'd be a bad day. It'd be a bad day. It'd be your last day. Ooh. Because after that, you would only have nights. Because you'd be a vampire. Yeah, alright, this is the next bit where it all gets a bit well, weird. Well, first Dio is drunk and, like, self-hating. And he's, like... I've l- become my father! Lamenting his human weaknesses as he's he's inherited the human condition from his father. <laughs> just Alcoholism. Like, thing is, I remember... Well, not remember, but I realise that he's like, Oh, yeah, he's just like his dad. Oh, God, he's just like his dad. Which means that... But with more ambition. With more ambition. But at the same time, you know, he did also kill his dad. So, he's probably worse than his dad in many ways. Which means that his alcoholism is probably a lot worse. And he's just like, I at least myself. he's he's probably drinking good stuff since he's rich now. True, twelve year old. I assume that's good. Um, some va- he bumps into a couple of vagrants as he's stumbling through the streets. A couple of vagrants. Yeah, some some London vagrants. <laughs> Back in eighteen eighty eight, when vagrants yeah, was still a like, usable term. Consider yourself. Ow, mate. <laughs> Consider yourself part of the family. Bring out knife. Yeah. <laughs> no, they don't like him bumping into them at all. And he's like, he calls them disgusting insects because he's like, his arrogance knows no bounds. Because he's a, just a massive dick. And he's also sort of internalised the class superiority he's found himself in. Yeah. Well, I mean, he already kind of felt that, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, He was always like, oh, this life isn't for me when he was with his dad. Yeah. They're, they're sort of smack-talking him. So then he breaks his bottle of liquor on one of their faces and then he approaches the other and is like, I'll test out the stone mask on you before I use it on Jonathan. And then he, like, shoves it on his face. And cuts the other guy and uses his blood to... And then the spikes come out. Into his brain. Like, Look, he's dead. Cool. And then, like... Then he picks up his hat. Sort just of dusts himself off a bit. Yeah. And then just walks away without but taking the mask. then... Yeah, that's, that's something. <laughs> I mean, he is very drunk at this point, I True, true. Yeah. And I guess he could have always gone back for it. Yeah. And, I mean, you can't really take it off when the spikes are literally just enveloping his skull. Yeah, how does he plan to remove it, I wonder? Oh, he'll just come back later. But then the vagrant sits up, and there are ominous kanji floating out of his body. And you're just like, oh, he's not human. No. And he's not human. The vagrant approaches him, and the mask falls off to reveal a ghoulish face. Some would call it vampiric. <gasps> eh? Eh? I guess, like, the vampire face has become very recognisable yeah. in pop culture where it has like yeah. sharp sharp ears and like sharp features in general oh yeah and obviously the teeth he looks more Nosferatu but even else, even but... after like he starts to feed on Dio in a bit and like his youth gets restored yeah even then his face seemed like a bit sharper than it was yeah it seemed also a bit longer yeah which was the main thing I was like oh his face is longer hmm. but anyway the guy attacks Dio and he has superhuman strength and Dio like cuts all the way up his arm with a knife but that doesn't stop him and then the wall explodes. Yeah. 
I yep, the wall explodes. Well, dude, like punches the wall and <laughs> with such ferocity that it then flings Dio over to the bay. Yeah, and he's like, I, he's too strong. I have to jump into the river and escape. But he can't. No, the guy's too fast. It's too late. He's seen everything. I really don't like... Oh, it really grosses me out, me out the way vampires feed in this. So, um, like, the fingers go into the skin? Yeah, like, into the skin of his neck. And, and like, then start sucking away. Yeah, it's so gross. <laughs> but it's so cool. It's just like... It goes in through the skin. It's like, oh, yeah. Just yeah it really creeps me out. It's like a syringe where it's like, oh, yeah. It's I, re- like syringe, but I really it's don't like, need this, Nicholas. <laughs> But it's like fat and just, ah. Oh. And then it starts pulsating and you're just like, oh. Yeah, and like the veins like get heightened in Dio's skin. Yeah. But then he starts getting younger as Dio's blood is, yeah. you know, getting yeah. sucked away. Uh, the thing D- is, there's no cut though as he like goes in. Yeah. It's just like, can we stop just... talking about this incision? It's really creeping me out. <laughs> all right, all right. So anyway, he gets um, younger. He gets used to This is like the only time we see Dio losing his composure when Jojo isn't directly responsible. Yeah. I mean, there's not understandable. Yeah, I mean, he is literally getting the blood. He is dying. Down. Yeah, he's like, I don't want the, the last thing to see before I die to be this damnable sunset. <laughs> sunrise. Then, Why? It's the sun. Okay, you fucking. And the sun rises, and the vampire bursts into flames. And there you go. Dio is safe. Now he knows that the mask makes vampires, and that the sun kills vampires. True, he doesn't. Well, I mean, oh no, I guess he wouldn't know that in 1888, because vampires weren't really like common knowledge yeah they weren't really a going concern yeah (laughs) they weren't really real at the time (laughs) or were they so yeah that's uh basically the entire episode yeah oh wait no Dio goes home yes I'm gonna kill Jonathan now (laughs) um he's just like all the lights are off yeah and he's like why are the lights off and then we see Jonathan Jonathan lights up a candle and I I can't remember... He's like, sup. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what he says in the, the so subtitles. Like valid proof or something. But the line he said in the dub really stuck with me because of oh how God. blunt it was. Oh, it's, God. You're a poisoner, Dio Brando. <laughs> a poisoner? And the opening notes of Roundabout have been playing this whole time, and as he says that, the arrow shoots across the screen to be continued. <laughs> Beautiful. Perfectly timed. And that's the entire episode. Yeah. It's Okay, so the first episode was like, wow. The second episode is like, What? <laughs> What even? Part of me wishes, like, as I said last week, these this anime was the first exposure when JoJo I had, mm. and part of me wishes that the first half, the, all of last episode, and like the first half of this episode are just like two feuding brothers vying for this old man's inheritance. Yeah, and part of me wishes it just sort of like stayed that way because <laughs> that, that seems like a very interesting story in its own right. Yeah. Well, it sort of stays that way later, doesn't it? I assume it would stay that way, where it's just they keep feuding. More and more. Well, I think this probably leans uh, quite elegantly into our new segment. Oh, God. Where Nick predicts what happens next. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm predicting... <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so let's establish what we know. The mask turns people into vampires. Dio knows that it turns people into vampires. It doesn't kill them because it just sort of... Wa- it, like, just comes off yeah. when they turn to vampires. He knows that it is activated by blood. And he knows that Jojo's been studying it, but doesn't seem to have any idea that it makes vampires. So I'm guessing Dio's gonna somehow use the mask on himself to become a vampire. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if he will or not. Otherwise, he's gonna make, like, a giant vampire army. Just by continuously using the mask with blood or something. Uh, We didn't see anything about the lady girl from the love of Jojo's life. Arena. Yeah. Arena Pendleton. You'll see. Okay. Well, I imagine, like, Jojo will find her again and be like, it wasn't me, it was Dio. 
And they're like, <laughs> you thought it was me, but it was Dio. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so he'll pull something like that and then just sort of... Collide? Ripple? Um, yeah, ripple will do. Ripple is a nice family-friendly term. Yeah. So they'll ripple. Dio will try and mess it up again. But Jojo will, like, pull through because his will is better now. Or something. I don't know. And, yeah. I reckon Jojo, now that he has this newfound willpower, is just going to be a fucking baller. Okay. In the next one, he's probably just going to try and murder the shit out of Dio. Like, just literally the first thing I was like, I like these candles. You're a poisoner, Dio. Dio goes, no, I'm not. And then he'll just murder his Okay, interesting prediction. (laughs) Um, Oh, something we we sort of brushed over that is also sort of brushed over in the content. Jojo's sort of defining character traits in this are meant to be like his gentlemanly... Oh, we like got uprightness, oh, we but got also that. he's meant to be quite naive as well. Yes, and I feel like the latter never really comes across. And I, I, mm. citation needed, but um, the author has said that if he had the chance to redo this all over again, he really would have tried to emphasise that aspect of his character. Because mm. like you do hear, oh man, he's so naive, but yeah. it's like very subtly naive. In, he's naive in that he didn't kick me as hard as he could have kicked me. Yeah, yeah, that's not really naive, is it? You do sort of see it. Yeah, yeah, but it never really comes across, I think, as much as he wanted it yeah. to. Yeah. He's not completely and utterly naive about everything. Figured out where Ogre Street was. He figured out the poison. Yeah. So there you go. Although he didn't really figure out the poison until after he saw the letter. True. So, yeah. Sort of put two and two together there. Even a naive person. Or oh, maybe not. Okay, so in short, uh, George is dying. Uh, two dead dogs. Oh, shit, George is dying. Other prediction that I'm going to make. George is going to pull through. Okay. I reckon, because now that he's stuck... Oh, hang on, wait, no. And keep in mind, we did see... We did see a weeping Jojo in the opening credits. Yeah, hold, holding his... Cradling his father. True, <laughs> true. Maybe he won't pull through. <laughs> Just maybe he won't pull through. George moved to a big farm upstate <laughs> and lived out the rest of his days in peace. Unfortunately, he became a bit of a dog. <laughs> and as we all know from Jojo... The other thing from the opening sequence we forgot to mention mm-hmm. is that the first shots of it are six of the extant Jojos in reverse order. But yeah, you know, I just thought it was Jojo in different clothing. Okay. Because Japan and anime... He does change his clothing quite a bit in this. Well, he is a very rich man. (laughs) True. Alright, shall we wrap things up? Yeah. Alright, a couple of credit notes. Um, Our theme music is a humoresque remix, or the Dvorak humoresque remix by... It's pronounced Dvorak. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So you know how... Dvorak? Yeah, Dvorak. Mm. Because it's the weirdest spelling that you could ever want. What is that, Russian or something? Uh, I... It's either Russian or... Check? I can't remember. But, like, it's definitely not British. No, no. <laughs> As was the the time. Mm-hmm. So let me double-check that credit so I get it right. Uh, Dvorak? Dvorak. Dvor- Dvor- Here, look up the Wikipedia. No, no, just, okay. just you say it. Okay, so our theme music is Dvorak Humoresque Remix by TP RMX. Should have gotten that from Remix, shouldn't I? <laughs> it's uh, linked to on our blog posts. And I think I'm also going to put in uh, any other musical references we may make. Or we, call- we talked about Ogre Battle today. Yeah, Ogre Battle. So I think I'll probably link to that in the post with this as well. So check that out if you're interested in it. I mean, I'm definitely going to listen to that later or, anyway. you know, just YouTube it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be quite important that we do that if it becomes more important when more villains come in. Yeah, true. Yeah. And let me tell you, they get thick and fast in the later <laughs> parts, the music references. What was it? The one you were telling me about, like... Uh, dirty deeds done cheap. That was like that's way down the line. Oh, okay, all right, way down the line. We'll get there. Uh, and if you like the show and you want to give us any listener correspondence, you can email us at uh, Jojo's Podcast at gmail.com And with that, I'm dear. No, I'm not dear. What am I saying? We'll see you next time, <laughs> buddy. <laughs>
I don't know what's JoJo related that would also be a sign off.